I like cuts courtesy of the BYU Sports Network. Greg Rubel with the call. Mark Durant works alongside him. Those guys in Waco for Baylor and BYU. Top 20 matchup tonight inside Foster Pavilion. And we welcome uh, welcome back to Waco and welcome in uh, to the 2 o'clock hour. Our good friend Greg Rubel. Greg, appreciate you being on with us. John, it's always a pleasure. Great to be back in Waco. Welcome to Waco. I said chilly Waco when we texted this morning. Uh, is this a, a, like a spring day for someone that lives in Utah? Yeah, this isn't Utah chilly. <laughs> right. I think I left. Uh, I think I left 19 degrees oh, uh, yesterday morning. So uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been pretty dicey along the Wasatch Front. Finally, got some snowfall. We actually had a white Christmas or a brown oh Christmas. really? We, 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 no, we had we had a brown Christmas. Oh. We, 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 uh, the white Christmas came two weeks late. So, oh. uh, we're getting, we got, we got pounded this past week in Utah. We didn't have the snow for the actual holiday, but it came eventually. I've been doing a lot of shoveling this week back home. Man, unbelievable. That's, that's a different, different lifestyle than we can relate to here in Waco. I'll tell you this. If we had snow here or any kind of ice, it kind of shuts down the whole area. So I know it. I people do. make a run on HEB and just stay off the roads and everything. But. Yeah. Glad you're here and glad the sun is shining. So you went over to your team shoot around earlier today. You saw Foster Pavilion empty. Uh, what are your first thoughts of Foster? Yeah, I got in there last night uh, for, for a brief look and then, uh, and then a, a little uh, uh, more time today with the shoot around. So I've been in there a couple times already. Gorgeous building, just beautiful. And, and, and it's, it's uh, uh, Coach Mark Pope in our pregame conversation, we recorded it shoot around for tonight's pregame. Uh, said it's masterful. He he just loves the way it's designed. He said it's got a real big time feel, uh, yet it's it's intimate, right? And you get in there, and the first thing you notice is the grade of the seats, how steep and up top everything is, and everything feels right on top of you. It's a great vibe for a college basketball game. I love what Baylor did in bringing the capacity down a little bit, but yet increasing demand as a result. You could do a little bit more with your pricing as a result, and 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 create a much more, I think, dominant home court advantage. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's exceptional, and and uh, you know a few more finishing touches still to come, obviously, sure. over the next few months. But uh, it is gorgeous, and uh, and what, what what a great new venue, what a, what a cool idea too, because I think you know scaling back is 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 it's it's an innovative approach, mm-hmm. and yet there's a lot of advantages to it. Uh, for us, it's a really good move, and Foster, you know, there's just been one men's game in there so far, two women's games, but I right. uh, can't wait to see what the atmosphere is like tonight with a top 20 matchup. And and I appreciate your perspective because you're coming from uh, looking at it through the lens of your home arena. Is is it 22, 24,000 Marriott Center? Well, back, in the day, back in the day, it was, it was 22,700. Okay. The current capacity, uh, John, since they've done the re- – uh, they, they've redone seating over the years. Bleachers have come out and theater seats have gone in. So 17,978 okay. is the new capacity. So we're sitting at 17,978, still the biggest venue in the Big 12, but down about 5,000 from where it used to be when it was first built. Wow. And then, again, it's over, over time. Uh, again, more bleachers go out, more theater seats come in, and so the capacity comes down a bit. I got you. Very good. Still the largest in the Big 12. So uh, we look forward to filling it up tonight and welcoming the Cougars to town. Tell me about Saturday, the game against Cincinnati. I listened to part of your game as we were coming back from Stillwater. Uh, y'all just kept firing up those threes. They just weren't falling at a real high rate. Yeah. Now, normally, if you make 13 threes, right. that's an average night for BYU. Okay, <laughs> So, so BYU is averaging 12.9. They made 13. So if you make 13, you're kind of where you want to be. The problem on that night was they, got a, they shot a school record 46. 
And so missed 33 of 46, and that's where the problem lies in, in, in the percentage because the volume was more or less where it needs to be in terms of makes. Uh, but they, they weren't dropping at the rate they needed to. And, and more than anything, John, it, it was a one-man show, and they can't have that. Uh, Trevin Nell had nine threes, career-high 27 points, but he was really the only guy to be on. And with this kind of team, that, that can't happen. It, it can't be a one-man show, and, and there just weren't enough guys joining the party on, on Saturday night. And, and BYU had a halftime lead uh, of seven points. Um, they defended Cincinnati, you could argue, well enough uh, to expect to win. They held Cincy to 71, which is well below the Bearcats' average, but BYU was a full 30 points off its average. Wow. Uh, scoring 90 a game, they score 60, and, and that's just not going to get it done. And, and it really was – I hate to isolate it too much on, on one thing, but it just felt like on this night when BYU needs all of its depth to kind of be on or close to on at the same time, too many guys had off nights. BYU, uh, really impressive numbers. Uh, in fact, nationally, leads the nation in assist to turnovers, leads the nation in assists, and as you said, made threes per game. But that assist area, uh, was that off a little bit from what it normally is? It was, and, and it, 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 you could tell when the assist number comes down, it's, it's, a few too, it's a few too many guys taking a few too many early looks when they could really uh, spend a little more time cycling the ball and getting a better shot or a more open shot. Um, and that's where you sense a little bit, of, if not panic, a little bit of uh, unease coming into the offensive flow and guys believing, i got to do it myself right now. They've been an excellent you know, assist rate team. They assist on roughly two-thirds of their makes, and they were where they needed to be in that respect on, on, on Saturday um, and, and I do think, too, there was almost kind of a sense of um, uh, not necessarily big game jitters, but it just felt like this, okay, this is the first Big 12 experience. What are we truly in for? And I think it was a learning experience that guys kind of had to go through to understand what awaits them night out, uh, night in and night out in this league. What I hear you saying is uh, BYU's at its best when you share the ball well, when everybody's involved, everybody contributes. Not one guy, you know, you had two in double figures, but not one guy scoring almost half your points. Uh, is that when BYU is at its best? Well, they had they were averaging six guys in double figures coming into that game, and Dallin Hall only barely got there at the end getting to 10. It was just way too top-heavy. And, again, it was very atypical for this BYU team. When I say six guys average double figures, on, on a lot of nights you're going to see four and five regularly in that uh, at that plateau, and it was just one with – Dallin Hall getting there at the very end, but Dallin got there on a three for 13 shooting night. It really was just a bunch of guys having really difficult nights at the same time. I felt in the first 10 minutes is when this, maybe even first five minutes, John, was where the game kind of felt lost since he got off to a one for 10 shooting start and BYU did not make the Bearcats pay. The biggest number from Saturday, BYU went in averaging under 10 turnovers per game and they were at 10 late in the first half. Uh, that was really it. Uh, BYU's been an excellent turnover percentage team all year, and it was way too high on Saturday night. Too many empty possessions at a time when Cincy was really struggling to shoot. I thought BYU could have played Cincy out of the game in the first 10 minutes. It didn't happen. Uh, and then once Cincy took the crowd out, uh, that's a big building to be pretty quiet, and it felt pretty quiet in the second half. Greg Rubel, our guest, longtime voice of the BYU Cougars, Baylor and BYU tonight inside Foster Pavilion. Would you say uh, 12-2 and record for BYU coming in? Would you say that San Diego State win really early is maybe your, maybe your marquee victory so far? Yeah, certainly the best win BYU's had. It's, it's held up pretty well. I, too, I, I, I do think that San Diego State game, the, 
the, the, the outlier games for BYU right now are, are the two games in which they lose to Utah on the road and Cincy at home. And those are the two lowest field goal percentage days of the year for BYU. And sometimes it is as simple as that. Um, I, I would argue in both games, BYU had shots that um, you expect them to, to, to make more often than not. And that wasn't the case uh, at either Salt Lake City or Saturday versus Cincinnati. Um, the biggest difference was in Utah, BYU was playing from behind and rallied well to almost win at the end. And against Cincinnati, BYU lost a halftime lead. And, and much like Scott Drew's teams, Mark Pope's teams have been excellent front runners. They hold on to halftime leads, and that wasn't the case on, on Saturday night. Greg, you've been through uh, one football season uh, as a member of the Big 12. You're now into conference play your first season as a Big 12 member. Uh, and, and this might be a better question to ask you a month from now, but what do you think about the beast that is the Big 12? You know, just look at that schedule and look at the games, you know, that you have to play night in and night out. It's a, it's a gauntlet, isn't it, to, when you get to conference play? Yeah, in, in the WCC, you're going to get maybe – uh, three Q1 games in the course of the regular season. Uh, you know, a couple against Gonzaga, probably one against St. Mary's, maybe two. And and now you're in a situation where five of BYU's first six games in the Big 12 are Q1 affairs. Mm. Um, you know, with with the one exception uh, coming, uh, I, I think at um, I, think, I think at UCF, UCF might be the yeah. one Q2 game they got. Everything else is Q1s here in the first month, and so. You know, that, that is really stark. Uh, you know, everyone's got BYU in the NCAA tournament right now. You know, they were, they were a three seed last week. They're a five or a six right now after losing to Cincy. And yet, you still got to go get yourself into the tournament. I mean, what BYU did at 12-1 and one in non-conference, John, is great. And the metrics are legit. That's a really good team. But you still got to go find a way to put yourself at or around or above 500 in the Big 12. And that is way easier said than done. And so there's a lot of work for BYU to do to, to meet the expectations, which are right now NCAA tournament. Two months ago, John, I, I don't think anybody was really considering that, that the first year in the Big 12 should be an NCAA tournament year for BYU. Then they go 12-1, and one and the metrics are so high, and everyone's got them locked in, but yet the heavy lifting hasn't been done yet. Right. Now it starts. And so there's a lot to be done and a lot to learn, and, and, and Coach Pope has used the word humbly. He says, we come into this humbly. You know, we know what it's going to take to succeed in this league, and, and, and they, they found out in one home game how tough it's going to be to win in the Big 12. What other uh, things have you noticed, if anything, you know, some changes, uh, maybe upgrades, uh, just something different in this first year in the Big 12? Uh, you know, the, the way BYU set up, at least in terms of logistically, they, they kind of already had a P5 or power conference feel to the program in terms of the venue, um, the locker room upgrades. Uh, the, you know, they, they, they look and feel a lot like a team that's ready for power conference basketball. I think it's going to come down to the actual um, you know, on-floor representation. What does BYU recruiting pool, BYU's recruiting pool look like moving forward? Uh, can they take swings at guys that might not have considered BYU before? Um, and, and, and how old can BYU get together? And, and that's really the, the key to the 12-1 and start this year, John, was, and a lot of coaches were identifying this as I talked with them coming into Provo and, and heading out and talking to other coaches, was a lot of schools want to be what BYU is, and that is a team that has most of its guys back from one year to the next. Uh, Ken Pomeroy has a stat called um, minutes continuity, and BYU's been a top 25 team in minutes continuity, which is 
the percentage of minutes played last year, are they still on your team this year? And BYU's been a really high percentage number team that way. They brought a lot of guys back. It is essentially the same team as last year with the addition of Ali Khalifa. And he's been a big addition, but he's only about 18 minutes a game. And so it's kind of last year's team, but just having grown together. And last year's team was middle of the pack in the WCC. So how do you go from middle of the pack in the WCC to contender in the Big 12 with the same group? Well, it was really a function of experience, togetherness, and continuity. And that's kind of what helped BYU to that 12-1 and start. Very good. Good explanation. Uh, Greg, final thought. Uh, give our listeners a sense of the history of BYU basketball. Who would be... I've got a name in mind. Who would be uh, some of the top names that have played basketball at BYU? Well, Danny Ainge, you know, is one of the first and foremost that comes to mind. Uh, uh, he, he is, he's a, a kind of a legend in the game as both a player and an executive now. Danny Ainge was for the longest time BYU's career-leading scorer. Um, went on to a, I mean, he was a Major League Baseball player. At the same time, he was an NBA player. Mm. And, of course, he's gone on to have success as a coach and executive. So Danny Ainge is one of the biggest names. And then, uh, the one who surpassed him in, in scoring uh, was Jimmer Fredette. Mm-hmm. And, and Jimmer Fredette is still a name in the game. Jimmer's actually going to be playing for Team USA in the Paris Olympics on the 3 by 3 team oh, really? uh, coming That's up great. this summer. So, yeah, J- Jimmer's still going. And, and Jimmer's a legend at, at BYU, remains that. Um, Tyler Haas and brother TJ Haas, yeah. the Haas brothers, son of Marty Haas, are, are a big name, big family name at BYU as well. And Tyler was a prolific scorer at BYU as well. So those are kind of the bigger names, Mike Smith and Devin Durant. Devin Durant, by the way, brother of my color commentary partner, Mark Durant. Oh, nice. those, are, those are big names in BYU basketball history. But I think that Danny and Jimmer are probably one, too, in terms of uh, you know, the names to know, if you will. Danny and I, 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 want, I want to throw it back real quickly, John. Uh-huh. There are two Hall of Famers. There are two Hall of Famers for BYU, and Stan Watts, the former coach, and Kresimir Chosich, who was the first international huh. superstar in college basketball, and they're both in the Naismith Hall of Fame, and they were BYU guys as well. Wow, very good. That's a good uh, brief history. Danny Ainge was the one I was thinking of that would be top of mind to me and probably Absolutely. most of our listeners. Hey, man, I appreciate yeah. your time. Glad you're here. Look forward to seeing you this evening and look forward to the game tonight. We'll see you in a few hours. Thank you, John. All right, thanks very much. Greg Rubel, the great voice of the BYU Cougars, Baylor and BYU tonight, top 20 matchup. Inside Foster Pavilion, Baylor number 14 in the nation this week, BYU at number 18. Uh, both teams are 12-2 and two on the year. The Bears are 1-0 and in league play, and BYU, as we talked about, 0-1, the loss at home to Cincinnati on Saturday. We'll be on the air at 7.30 tonight. It's an 8 o'clock tip-off. It's here on ESPN Central Texas. So uh, maybe take a nap this afternoon or whatever you need to do to be ready for the uh, little bit later than normal start. That would be 7 o'clock Mountain Time tip-off tonight. The game here on ESPN Central Texas and television on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus for television streaming tonight. All right, thanks to Greg. Great to visit with him. Aaron, let's take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Final segment, wrap things up, look ahead, share some birthdays with you on this ninth day of January. More to come. Stay with us here on ESPN Central Texas. Nikki Collin and the 